Science. Hello, and welcome to Probably Science. I'm one of your hosts, one of two this week. Uh, I'm Jesse Case. I'm Matt Kershard, and here's the deal, everyone. Uh, Andy is in the desert right now, burning a man. He's at and Burning Man. He's he's it's we do this every year where Andy's at Burning Man. Andy's at Burning Man, and it turns out it's um it's not the easiest thing to keep up with the podcast uh, scheduling while also organizing a wedding. So <laughs> apologies for that, everyone. Matt is uh, has taken a side gig organizing weddings. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing a, now. <laughs> he's a wedding planner, and um, he's got what you got three this week. It feels like it. It feels yeah. like I've got three weddings. Um, I'm a very bad wedding planner in that I'm mostly losing rather than making money. Right, right. <laughs> I, uh, we should uh, have a guest that's married. <laughs> we, we should. And look, a friend of the show, a favorite of ours, and someone who has a brand new comedy special. Brand new, spe- brand new dry, dry bar special coming at you. Dry bar special. And look. You, you might you might well have enjoyed Augie Smith on the show as a guest, but if you've not seen him do stand-up, which is the thing he is finest at, you treat yourself, because he's one of my favorites and should be one of yours as well. Augie Smith. Hey, Augie. Hey, guys. Uh, this is so exciting. Uh, I love that <laughs> Andy is at Burning Man. You know what that means? That means next time we see him, he's going to hug us. Yeah. <laughs> After Burning Man, he is hugging everybody. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he's going to come back with the with the old monkey pox. There's a, you know, there's there's suspicious. It's got to be there. It's got to be there. It's got to be running rampant around there. There's you know all those people coming from all around the world hugging each other, and there's yep. there's got to be some pox happening. Pox on the playa. It's uh, <laughs> man, I uh, you know, I mean, we love Andy. He's a co-host of the show. Um, obviously, no, there, there's very few things I want to do less than go to Burning Man. Um, just like in, in my life, you know what I mean? There's maybe like seven things and these include like, uh, crimes against humanity. Like these include horrible things. There are things (laughs) I would rather do less, you know, um, it's just not my thing. It's so hot out. On top of the regular suckness that would be Burning Man, it, it, it is, it, it's a record heat, right? It's like a record, like, hundred-year oh. heat. Is it really? I th- Well, it is here. It's got to be everywhere. This yeah, is that, L.A. If we're doing it, everybody's doing it, baby. Yeah. Let's check. Uh, yeah, they're doing, I, like, rolling brownouts and stuff. It's, uh, it's crazy out there. Uh... Okay, it is. Rolling brown it's hot. acid out. It is. It's about a hundred degrees right now Celsius, Ooh. or for your. Ooh, baby. For your Fahrenheit, it's 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 hovering around the forty mark. For the Celsius people. Yeah, it's hot. Um, yeah, man. So I don't I don't know if uh, I I don't know the future of frankly the future of desert festivals and also like you know it's um i think part of the novelty of things like burning man uh is like it's very steampunk right it's very like it's like mad max but it's like that's just gonna be the world soon (laughs) like it's like you're gonna be like why are we fantasizing we don't need to go do this well we just don't have water 
with global warming, every festival is going to be a desert festival. Like everything <laughs> we do is just going to be a desert anyway. Yeah, I think, it, but maybe they're smart. Maybe they are planning for the new world. They live this way now, so it won't be a shock when we're all forced into it. They're already going to have those goggles or whatever that we're going to have to wear all the time. Like, I, you know what I mean? The weird, weird, like, fucking welding mask thing right. you, with your mohawk. I don't know. They'll already have put a motor on a hang glider. Yeah. They'll be way ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? See, wh- oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, what were you going to say, Jesse? Well, in the steampunk canon, uh, canon, C-A-N-O-N, not a steampunk canon right. uh, in which to fire, I don't. I've never understood the sky boats. You know what I mean? Like I get, I understand a blimp. I get it. But I've seen um, concept art. You know, it's like a sailing ship, but it's just mm-hmm. a sky boat situation, and that's a very steampunk thing. Do, do you guys know what I'm talking about at all? Do I need uh, to? Sh- do I need to put a link in the in the chat? It's like a. I have seen this like in the. I'm thinking of Smashing Pumpkins videos. They have a lot of sky boats in those. Well, yeah, that, I, I mean that's like, like a steampunk band. You know what I mean? They're very, right. they're, they're very steampunk. I, I, I got to be honest with you, Jesse. I've heard the the saying a zillion times, but if I were to define steampunk, I don't know what it is. I know that it describes like guys in tall hats and wearing ruffly pants. And uh, I think that, like, chimney sweeps are steampunk. And there was a coffee place that used to be steampunk, but I don't know what it means. I remember that coffee place next to, uh, what was it, Bar One? Yes. Yeah, it's basically what all punk was before it went electric. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's what used to be, yeah. (laughs) What, powered punk music? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the Clash started as a steampunk band. And then you yeah, remember when when everyone when they when they went electric and then everyone was like Judas, everyone's like wearing their goggles on their top hats. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you man. Judas strummer. No, it's it, steampunk stuff is uh, it's it, it's always annoyed me a lot. Um, it's always very it's very annoying to me, and I don't, but I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it that I find so unbearable. I think it's the fact that the gadgets don't do anything. Um, you know what I mean? It's like everything's like I got fucking gears on it. Right. This but they're is just... a worse version of something we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, first of all, I hate I, I hate an exposed gear. You know what I mean? You're gonna, what do you do? You cover that thing up, man. You're going to have to be lubricating it every morning. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. You know? <laughs> But obviously, you've obviously you've never had an old tractor. Um, <laughs> horrible. Yeah, and the gog. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's it's a whole thing, and and it's sort of combined into that all the octopus bullshit too. You know. How is it bullshit? First of all, octopuses are amazing. They have yeah. like seven hearts, and they have nothing in common. Isn't it true that they have their DNA and they're they. There's nothing. They are they are aliens to this world. They are implanted here by another species. I I'm, think to help. I'm us. just they saying that the Lovecraft tentacle stuff <laughs> has made it into the steampunk canon. You know, let me uh, hold on. I'll link. I'll link you something. Here we go. Here, all right. In the chat, here's something. 
That's a long link. But just fucking pop over to Amazon. Take a look at this steampunk octopus. You know what I mean? It's, it's just... I'm afraid to hit anything because I think I'll make you go away. But I, I see that you posted something. I, okay. I, I, look, I, I'm going to make octopuses our friends, and they're never going to be my enemy. No, I'm, we're, I'm... we're all going to be working for them someday, Jesse. See, what, what I was going to say a second ago is uh, I have been to... I have been to Burning Man once, but and it, I, I had a good time. But there are people who were like there and going like, this should be like all society should be like this. It'd be and you're like, it can't be. This only works because people are bringing in huge amounts of infrastructure from the outside, yeah. and it lasts for a week, and then it all gets taken away again. Like it yeah. still sits on top of society. <laughs> it's still like yeah. as a Matt, it, it can only I exist with. <laughs> I can't wait <laughs> when you're a dad. You know. It's like, it, why can't every day, Papa, why can't every day be Christmas? Because the economy would collapse, you fucking yeah. moron. And you... <laughs> there would be no, no fantasizing in the Kirshen household. Yeah. <laughs> what was, what's the word of the day? Infrastructure. That's right. <laughs> now sweep your chimney. Yeah. Wow. Those dirty hippies still got to hire somebody to clean the porta potty, man. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, sustainable... In, in the, uh, ideal society. It's in the desert. Of course you can't sustain that. It's all... No. That's why That's why Burning Man only lasts two weeks or whatever, is because uh, you'll die after that. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> like Yeah, that's fam- famously two weeks... Uh, like, oh, like, nine days is, like, the longest that a human can survive in a Burning Man scenario. That's <laughs> 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 what scientists have determined is the maximum amount of... Yeah, yeah. Potential bird. Well, you, we've all we've all seen that uh, that reality show, Naked It on Molly, <laughs> and <laughs> where they <laughs> they follow people that are they drop them off in the middle of a uh, steampunk uh, festival, and yeah, it's very hard, very hard to find resources. Mm. <laughs> so uh, before we hit record, we we're talking Augie. You've, you're in a house now. You just had a house. You got a house. I am a man of means. I am a man of substance. I am now a homeowner. I am a landowner, everyone. After uh, 50-some years on this earth, I, I, f- I found a plot of land and I made it mine in Panorama City. We, we've been working towards it all these years. And we waited until the housing market was at its actual top. That it could not go any higher. And we said, now's the time to strike. Why? Because nobody else will. <laughs> and that's what we did. <laughs> I yeah, just wish it, we had just waited a month more, because then we could have had the added top of the market plus higher interest rates. We just barely missed that part, is <laughs> the higher interest rates. But we're somebody now. We, uh, I, I'm telling you, it, uh, it, makes you, it makes you feel like more of a citizen. Like, everybody, get out of my goddamn way. I'm a landowner now. Yeah, have, you, fa- ma- have you become if, more if you conservative? Exactly. I'm just saying, if anybody's going to go to a comedy show and assault a comedian, don't pick me. Pick one of the other losers that have <laughs> nothing. Because I am, I am a man. I have children and a wife and a house. I am somebody. And it will be respected. Yeah. I totally get what these guys are coming from. We're losing this country to dirty hippies <laughs> and their desert festivals. <laughs> so the house is uh, good soil. Hmm? Does it have good soil? Yeah. Gotta... 
<laughs> good crop this year. We should have a good yield come this fall. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just building an army, planning for the new world. Yep, Panorama City, known for its harvest. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I I always miss harvest season in Panorama mm-hmm. City. Yeah, a lot of good gourds available here. A lot of good gourds. <laughs> um, we well, uh, you 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 know what else might be hanging around Panorama City at some point soon? What what's that, Matt? Tasmanian tigers. Oh, right into it. Oh, do tell. Do tell. Yeah, this is a this is a story. Yeah, wh- why not le- leap straight into stories? We don't. We've had Augie on the show a bunch of times. We don't need to start delving into his backstory. This. <laughs> hey guys, I don't know if you heard that shriek there, but my both cats are fighting right now in the background. So oh, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about that really quick, and then we'll do stories. So here's the deal: is I'm how'd you introduce the two cats, Matt? I'm struggling with it. Uh, it took a while, and they still don't get on. Um, really? We, we followed, um, oh god, what's his real name? Uh, Jackson Galaxy. Jackson Galaxy's, like, nine-point plant. Sorry, yeah, so I've, wa- I, I've watched those. Yeah, Jack- Jackson Galaxy is, like, a sort of TV cat behaviorist guy. Yeah, he's the t- Caesar Milan of cats, and oh I've, wa- I've watched his YouTube stuff, because I didn't know. Yeah, and it, it, he- and it took me a while to remember his real name, because... I've had a running bit in the house for the last two years where every time I name him, it's something different. Yeah. And it's, it's always something like, you know, like a supernova chaplain or a... But what a... Being a cat Stardust behaviorist... McAfee. Like, it's all... I'm not going to say it's all bullshit, but what I'm saying is when it doesn't work, because it sounds like it didn't work for you guys, really. Well, well they're they, still they like, fighting. They, they get on with each... They, they abide each other. What really the deal is with our cats is... We, the older cat, the one we had first, was really, really playful. So we thought we'll get a really energetic, playful kitten, and they'll play together, and that should be great. But what's happened is the second we brought the kitten in, the older one has instantly become like the moody teenage older brother. Right. And the younger one is the younger brother who has no idea that he's anno- that he's annoying the older one. So basically, they don't hate each other. What it, what it really is is the younger one wants to play constantly with the older one, and the older one's like, "Good, just leave me alone." Like that's what's going on. Sure. So like the little one just won't leave. Like we have to play with the little one constantly just to stop him from assaulting the older one. Because uh, mm. he won't. Le- he w- like he'll even like like when the older one's just trying to take a shit, the little one will just sort of stand on top of the litter box because we've got a litter box with a cover. And it'll kind of like attack him from above. <laughs> right. So it's, it's just it's so undignified. Uh, like Doug, who's the, who's our older cat, is just like trying to sit there and go about his business, while Kevin, who who's the little guy, is on top, just kind of booping him. <laughs> classic cat names. Yeah, Doug we, and Kevin. <laughs> we actually we got big uh, cat news in the Smith house. What's going on, uh, buddy? So we've never had a pet, and uh, tomorrow my daughter Dottie turns six years old. And wow. we're getting her a kitty. We're getting her a cat. Now, I wanted to go to the shelter and get it. Yeah. Uh, but my wife, Julie, wanted to go to one of those mall pet stores where you take a, 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 a frightened, malnourished cat out of a wire cage. And I told her, I don't think those exist anymore. I think we haven't had those in like 30 years. But she wanted me to find one. They don't have them in L.A., though, so we got to go to a stupid shelter. And get a dumb cat that way, but we're gonna have mm. one, yeah. We and we wow. got all the stuff. We got all the infrastructure. 
Uh, we got the <laughs> scratching pads, and we got the litter boxes. We're ready to go. We're, okay. we're ready for a cat. Um, okay. So to it, to introduce the two together, yeah, his his like multi-step plan involves like first you keep them in different rooms, and then you start like swapping things that have each other scent on them. Right. And then and then you let them investigate the other person's space. So you kind of like swap their positions and let like one cat go in the other one's space and the other cat go in that one's space. And then you start. I think it's like you then start feeding them on opposite sides of a door. No. And then, dude, Augie, it is a fucking mess. I've been introducing two cats for two months now. Yeah. And they've just now sort of seen each other. And here, and here's the thing, man, is that like this, this, uh, this, this Jackson Cosmos, it's you could say. No one can disprove you because at the end of the day, they're still fucking cats. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You could be like, th- that's what I'm saying, Matt, is you're like, you're like, well, yeah. it worked well, but this dynamic is still going on. And, yeah. And I, what, I, what I'm kind of hoping is that at some point, the little one will get older and calm down a bit and they'll sort of, because they, they will, they, they don't fight constantly. Like they, they will settle to, like, they'll nap next to each other and stuff like that. Mm. And they'll, like, hang out on the bed together. But they'll... But then, at least once a day, they'll chase each other around the house. See, I got one that wants to play all the time, and the other one that just came in from outside, being outside all the time, right? Uh, mistakes it as wanting to fight. She doesn't. It's not. It's not that. It's not that either one of them are territorial or angry or grumpy or whatever. They're both playful, all of it. It's just that one of them like doesn't know how to play. Like like she doesn't understand. The, yeah, other, so that, the other cat's coming at her, like, wanting to, you know, do some play, and, and she immediately is, to, like, tries to defend herself. Then that scares of, the other one again, you know. Yeah, that's kind of, to an extent, what's happening with ours, in that, like, Doug was a street cat for a while, whereas Kevin, we've had since he was... I think he was a street cat, but for, oh, like, a few weeks. But Doug was, like, on the streets for a while. Uh, so he does interpret Kevin's attempt to play with a little more... Like, sometimes they'll play. Sometimes they'll, like, play wrestle. And then it goes too far, and then Doug starts hissing at Kevin and running away. Yeah. Or running at him. Well, my, it's a mess over here, man. Sylvia has asthma, so she can't play too hard, or she'll have a fucking asthma attack. And then and then Alfie has, like, some... Has FIV, has cat aids, right? So wow. they can't... They have to get along because Alfie can't bite Sylvia because it's deep puncture wounds is how it transfers. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, so okay. like they they have to get along really well. So that's why I'm doing it like it's going to take months because I can't even risk, you know, like uh, too hardcore of a of a play turning violent. You know, because um, Sylvia can't defend herself. Alfie, like if you know, if Alfie gets a cough, she'll croak. It's brutal over here. It's like running a home, you know. I'm like running a uh, <laughs> like running a weird cat hospital out of well, nowhere, you know. But you are because you like when you say street cat, that was a homeless cat. That cat did some stuff to survive that that cat isn't proud of. And then you bring that into your house. Yeah. I mean, come on. I know. That, that never works. That, I know. You can't domesticate the homeless. So yeah, I mean I'm a big I'm a big cat housing advocate. Um you know, every time they clean up their tent cities and I'm I'm against it. I uh yeah, I'm a huge advocate. Sorry if you if everyone can hear the train going by. There's a train. 
So, Augie, I uh, don't own the home. I'm renting one, but it's right next to some train tracks. It's horrible. Um, so these Tasmanian tigers, uh, <laughs> which were last, they were last alive in captivity in a zoo. The last one died in Hobart Zoo in Tasmania in 1936. And uh, this story, by the way, that has been sent in by Justin Payden, and also, so here's the thing that like I like we like it when I guess uh, when our listeners rather send in pronunciation guides, and uh, this so I, this listener has said uh, a long e in her name, so she is either Meg Hebing or Meg Hebin. Uh, Wait, Meg. Oh, it, so, oh, so the Meg, e is long. It's not. There's no like. Long E, like Meg Longy. Meg Longy, no, it's H E B I N G is the surname and M E G is the first name and it has a long E, so I'm so I'm guessing Meg Hebbing Hebbing or, Hebing. or Meg Hebbing. Meg, Meg Hebbing. And there's a there's a CNN version of the story and there's a BBC version which I'm gonna go for because it is a little bit shorter. It's BBC. BBC, BBC. Researchers in Australia and the US are embarking on a multi-million dollar project to bring the Tasmanian tiger back from extinction. The last known one, officially called a thylacine, died in the 30s. The team behind the bid says it can be recreated using stem cells and gene editing technology. And the first one could be reintroduced to the wild in in 10 years time. Well, you're gonna need more than one or it'll stay extinct. I tell you that much. (laughs) I, I know that much about stuff. I just can't see this going wrong. I just think <laughs> taking an extinct species and bringing it back to life, what if we were to put them on an island and perhaps make that some sort of an attraction for people to come see? Sure. Have we thought about this? Oh, why, like why are we playing? They, you know, they, they thought so long about whether they could do it. They never thought whether they, they never, could do it. Guys. Life finds a way. Um, so, so others are skeptical, by the way, and suggest de-extinction is just science fiction. The the thylacine earned its nickname of Tasmanian tiger for the stripes along its back, but it was actually a marsupial. So that's the type of Australian mammal that raises its young in a pouch. There's there's marsupials in the states. Uh, what are the? What well, are the we American? got po- possums over here. We got uh, um, we got we got kangaroos in the zoo. I've seen them at night uh, in, in L.A. <laughs> In L.A., at night, if you pay money to go in, they box. They box the kangaroos. <laughs> there's an underground, there's yeah. an underground boxing ring. I'm not supposed to talk about it, but yeah. yeah. I, could, I, uh, I remember I went to one of the weigh-ins. I could only afford that. <laughs> um, they <laughs> talked a bunch of shit. The weigh-in brothers? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the weigh-ins. <laughs> You've seen the weigh-ins? You've been, have you been down there? Um. <laughs> So they thought. So it wasn't even actually a tiger, because it, tigers themselves aren't marsupials. I yeah, no, they're they're not a tiger. They're just they are just striped. Some so tigers have a pouch, but it's just an aesthetic thing. <laughs> it was cosmetic surgery, <laughs> right? They'll just have have <laughs> they one. They had it done later in life. Yeah, to look I've, younger. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's not a birth thing. I've seen a few tigers with a pouch. But and that's good a, for them. Good for that good tiger. For, good for them. It makes it feel better about itself. So, Professor Andrew Pask, who is leading the research from the University of Melbourne, says, I believe that in 10 years' time, we could have our first living baby thylacine since they were hunted to to extinction close to a century ago. 
Now, are we bringing them back to eat them again because the meat was so delicious? Yeah, that's that's the plan, and and to you know hunt them and yeah, all the fun. I, w- I but, would assume that these were used for their fur to be sold as tiger fur, and that's I'm serious. That's probably what killed them, right? Like, a, so, so it says in this article that the population declined when humans arrived in Australia tens of thousands of years ago, and again when dingoes, a species of wild dog, appeared. Oh. And then eventually it only roamed free on the island of, of Tasmania and was ultimately hunted to extinction. So the yeah. Hmm. Well, I'd, I'd like one of them hats. I mean, if they could bring them back and make me a hat, sure. I, yeah. But honestly, are they, they're doing this for the purpose of doing it, right? To see that they can do it. Is that the idea? Uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I think they're doing this because I, I don't know if you've checked in lately, but the dingoes are very bored. These days, if you've, I don't There's know, no more babies to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the last time you guys have talked to a dingo, but ugh, they're so fucking bummed out there. So they're gonna uh, put these back out there. Huh. I, yeah, I, I, this is the thing: is like there's so much uh, science that has a purpose, and then some of it is just like, who's paying for this? What kind of grant? Are there people raising money at a folk music show? To bring back the Tasmanian tiger, who the hell pays for this stuff? Is it is it the Tasmania government? Yeah, I'm you know, you. It's, it's good advertising for them. <laughs> if they can bring back an animal from extinction, yeah. has this been done before? No, no, no. No, anim- it's never been done. No animal's been uh, brought back from extinction. A few careers have, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> <I>, uh, <laughs> No, it's uh, and and everybody. It seems here everyone's very skeptical about it. Um, de-extinction is a fairy tale science, says Associate Professor Jeremy Austin from the Australian Center for Ancient DNA. Sounds <laughs> sounds made up. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it's not a job. Um, it does sound like a Halloween job, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but uh, Jeremy here. From uh, from ACAD <laughs> says that the um, from ACADNA says that the project is more about media attention for the scientists and less about doing serious science. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of bringing back the Tasmanian tiger has been around for more than twenty years. Um, in 1999, the Australian Museum started to pursue a project to clone the animal, and various attempts have been made at intervals ever since to extract or rebuild viable DNA from samples. Uh, this latest project. Is a partnership between scientists at the University of Melbourne and Texas-based company Colossal. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus. What is Colossal? I don't know. we got to look into that. That is the name of an evil company yep. in yep. an 80s romantic comedy. Colossal yeah. is going to buy the ski shop from mom and dad. we got to <laughs> save it. Um, Only a Tasmanian tiger race between... <laughs> Oh, they're tr- so Colossal's trying to do a uh, a woolly mammoth too. Jesus, that seems like it'd be more work. Um. Okay, so at they're called Colossal Biosciences. They say we endeavor to jumpstart nature's ancestral heartbeat. To s- <laughs> <laughs> we need a new copywriter, Colossal. <laughs> they want to see the woolly mammoth thunder upon the tundra once again. 
to advance the economies of biology and nutrition to make humanity more human. Can I can I can I just say by the way that Thunder on the Tundra sounds like a sort of Arctic strip group, stripper group like male <laughs> yeah <laughs> male review yeah <laughs> yep um <laughs> the, ton- the thunder on the tundra they do they do the tuesday night at a comedy club yeah yeah it's, uh, their, their, their motto their slogan is look it's not us it's just cold <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of, they sort of do discount bachelorette parties uh, me and the girls went to go see thunder on the tundra <laughs> Yeah. Um, Sorry, when it warms up, it'll be more impressive. But uh, anyway, I hope you have a good wedding. (laughs) I hope you have a good wedding. Um, uh, We're honestly just dry humping you for the heat. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it says here, these things which were not achievable before are now in our laboratories. Through our breakthroughs in CRISPR and genetic engineering, we're leading the new charge of bioscience. Here's the thing, guys. I don't know a lot about money laundering. It's not exactly like, you know, my my strong suit. But this sounds like something that somebody would set up to launder money. It sounds like, or or like like, uh, some billionaire's idiot son needed a a company to start. He's like, what if I could bring back the woolly mammoth? That would be so awesome, wouldn't it, Dad? It would only take $20 million. Do you guys want to know who their number one investor is? I bet you don't. Oh, oh, do no. you? You do. It's Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Tony oh. fucking Robbins. It's inspirational speaker Tony Robbins. There we go. If you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. Even <laughs> You think your career is extinct? <laughs> you think you've got no avenues? <laughs> do you want to thunder upon the tundra? <laughs> well, follow my eight-point plan. Jesus Christ. Yeah, is uh so colossal. Um so Tony says he's been following the groundbreaking work of George Church for years. George Church. <laughs> yep. He's also the Church of Colossus. That's not a real name. Yep. George yeah, somebody asked a guy his name as they were driving down the street and they drove by a church. Yep. George, um, George Church. Well, George Church and his partner Ben Lamb. <laughs> Seriously, George Church and Ben Lamb, whose names were clearly and made up. And Jennifer Woolcock, and yeah. Uh... yeah, well, that's who that's who started Colossus, and uh, and Tony Robbins has given them a bunch of money to bring back a fucking woolly mammoth, and and uh, you know. Well, I'll tell you this: if uh, if they if they figure this woolly mammoth thing out. And, uh, and Tony Robbins is going to travel with it. I would go and see that. You know, like if it was like a Kong type exhibit on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, he just 40s. he just wants an animal to have bigger teeth than him. <laughs> He's obsessed bringing back this mammoth. Jesus, this is so weird. This website's yeah, it feels something's off here. It, it feel it it feels like a like a joke. It feels like it, it isn't true. Is what it feels like to me. And if it is true, it, it is the most remarkable set of circumstance I've heard in a long time. <laughs> From the names. Yeah. What, what, what does their logo look like? I imagine just a face with one eye, like a metal face with one <laughs> eye staring at you. Is it that? 
All their names are insane. I'm reading the advisor board, and it's it's a uh, Michael Ireland <laughs> and uh, Peter Knights. These aren't real people. This is everyone. <laughs> everyone so far has a surname that is also a noun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's William sounds... Spice Rack. Uh... <laughs> So, sort of on this topic, I don't know if you guys have this knowledge or not, uh, but I've always wondered, what is the closest an animal got to extinction, and then we pulled it out? Like, has there ever been one where there was, like, five left, and we figured it out? Oh, um, shit, what, I, this is weird, I was just, I don't think it's been that close, but I was, stuff gets taken off, sometimes stuff gets taken off the critically endangered list. Yeah, um, I've heard about that. Yeah, sometimes that that happens. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the one would be. I'm you looking know? it up. Let's see. That feels like it would be pretty cool if you were the last of like like ten or something. Yeah, and, uh, you know the way things are going. Maybe we're gonna get that chance, guys. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Fingers crossed. Yeah. That's a good question, though. So, uh, the gray wolf was down to two million. That's still quite a lot. Yeah, American I, would, I wouldn't want to take care of two million gray wolves. Unless yeah. I was Liam Neeson. You ever see that one? Oh, no. my God. Liam Neeson versus wolves? No, I'd watch that right now. What's going on? It was, it was great. <laughs> it, it, was, it sounds great, and it's even better than that. It's even yeah. better than Liam Neeson fighting wolves. Even weirder, it's a documentary, which is <laughs> insane. It's the only way I'll film it. <laughs> Give me a camera, drop me in the woods. <laughs> Liam Neeson was famously <laughs> fought several wolves. Hmm. Um, okay, so the I'm just looking up now that the brown pelican was down to 1,200. That's pretty small. That's pretty small. And it's back. There are brown pelicans again. Yep. Uh, grizzly bears are really low. Um, yeah. That's fine by me. They can disappear. Those things are terrifying. The thing is, they don't kill you right away. They drag you back to their, their cave and just keep you because they like live meat. So you could just be there for days with just this uh, grizzly bear chomping off different parts of you. Well, who's yeah. the interview to find that out? Like, how, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> how do you get that info? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a very traumatized man. <laughs> right, right. Um, Kid gloves in that interview, guys. Okay, so here, here, here are some even more endangered. So the the whooping crane was down to twenty three left in the world, and now it's up to seven fifty. So still endangered. Jesus, twenty three. That's wow. pretty. Um, mountain gorilla was considered extinct at one point and has been brought back. That's it, like around eight hundred now. It's eight hundred now. That's dead on. Uh, I know. Hey, I know a lot about mountain gorillas, baby. You guys, <laughs> you guys ever need to know about mountain gorillas? I'm your guy. Big fan. I'm a big fan. The golden lion tamarin was down to hundred and fifty, and now they are. There's a now they're back up to a thousand. Oh, the black rhinoceros. Uh, hang on, that went really low. The black rhino, I think. Well, this is fucking weird. In 1983, there were only seven mosquitoes. Wow. 
<laughs> Isn't that unreal? They're everywhere now, you know? So we really turned that one around. Yeah. Hey, I, you, uh... you, know, you, know what's, you know what's pretty much endangered nowadays? Real men, that's what. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Just oh, real... thought, are you transitioning to a story? No, no, no. I just, oh, I thought, <laughs> just I thought it was point. the weirdest segue. Just making a point. Just, just saying stuff. <laughs> Did hey, you see... Hey, you know what else is endangered, though? What's what that? Plants and food crops. Yeah, and they you know, are. You, you know how they could potentially be saved? How's that? Booze. Man? Booze? Ooh. Yeah, our friends our friends Meeg again, and also Eric Voicebird both sent this in. It's Eric. Eric, yep. Eric. Uh, this is... So, alcohol potentially uh, uh, helps helps plants fight climate change. Many people in the Northern Hemisphere have spent the summer reaching for a boozy drink at the end of the day to take the edge mm. off the scorching dry heat, editorializes CNN in this article. And it turns out that a tipple may just be what plants need too. A peer-reviewed study published in the journal Plant and Cell Physiology suggests that ethanol, or alcohol, can help plants survive in times of drought, even for as long as two weeks without water. When plants are deprived of water, they naturally produce ethanol. Although the reason for its production are unknown, it led researchers from the Riken Center for Sustainable Resource Science in Japan to theorize that giving alcohol to plants may protect them from dying in a drought. The discovery came from the process of searching for compounds that make plants resistant to stress, said the lead author Motowaki uh, Seki. Yeah, the findings are not just useful for the world's gardens, but also for farms growing vital crops like rice and wheat. Drought-proofing staple crops could help alleviate food insecurity, which is an issue affecting many parts of the world right now, exacerbated by heat waves, Russia's war in Ukraine, and supply chain issues. Researchers said ethanol is a useful and simple way to increase food production all over the world in times of drought or water scarcity. So, they they regulate they grow grew wheat and rice plants, regularly watering them, and then added ethanol in the soil to one group of plants over three days. Then they deprived both groups of water for two weeks and found that the drunk plants fared better than the sober ones. Mm -hmm. Around 75% of the ethanol-treated wheat and rice plants survived, while less than 5% of the untreated ones. This uh, makes sense to me, because I know when I've been drinking, I don't need anything or anyone, man. I'm fine right here. Yeah. Mm. It helps them fight. It helps me fight, too. <laughs> Alcohol helps me. It helps me shut your stupid mouth. Is what it does. <laughs> Ethanol. All right, all right, Augie. Okay, all right, right. <laughs> well, we we asked have... for comment. The plant said, "What are you looking at?" <laughs> yeah, the good news is we have plenty of wheat, but the bad news is it's lost its job. Yeah. Um, but it's totally okay to drive. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, to it's totally cool. It's totally fine. Um, hmm. The the external application of ethanol to plants will be a useful, simple, and less expensive agricultural method to enhance drought tolerance in various plants, says Seki. Uh, but he warned that ethanol needs to be used sparingly as higher concentrations of ethanol inhibits plant growth. So you got to get the balance right. I guess it's yeah. like being good at pool. Like a certain amount is good, and then, and then you have that one extra pint, and then you, 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 your potting goes to shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we've all had too much to drink, and you can't uh, you can't get up to size, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it'll in inhibit some growth. I, this is very interesting, very interesting. Uh, so the study also looked at how ethanol protects a plant. Uh, so that uses 
Arabidopsis, Arabidopsis, um, using. That's what they used. That was the that was the type of plant that they used in this experiment. Yeah, um, they discovered that when ethanol treated specimens were deprived of water, tiny openings on the leaves uh, surface called stomata closed up. Stigmata. Stomata. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't remember from from uh, from school? They said um, sto is plant, stig is Jesus. That's how you remembered your mottas. You never, you never did that. Or remember? Wait, I remember the, st- I remember the stalagmite, and the stigmata. Oh, in first grade when they're teaching you your mottas. Yeah, because it might go to the roof, and the stig <laughs> to the cross to pay for your sins. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> that's so stupid. So anyway, the stomata. Uh, closes up retaining water and heat. And Seki and his colleagues studied... What's stomata with you? <laughs> um, okay. All right. Um, everybody calm down. Ar- Arabidopsis... Okay, so, so Arabidopsis, which is this plant, Seki and his colleagues, they studied its gene expression, and they found that the ethanol-treated plants started behaving as if they were experiencing drought, even though they were actually... Deprived of water. Well, hold on. Wait, wait a minute. Right. So basically, what's the difference? Wh- I thought that's what a drought was. Right, no. So what what the alcohol does? So when it when it's dry, when once the plant realizes that it's going to be a drought, it closes the stomata to prepare for the drought. So it keeps so it retains water and heat. So right. it's basically like shuts up shop. Yeah. And the alcohol tricks it into doing that earlier. So it's already been doing like kind of drought prep before it actually gets dry. Oh. Okay, I understand now. Huh. So it it just knows when there's going to be a drought, or it reacts because there hasn't been water for a while. Well, I think in the case of a plant, those two would basically mean the same thing. Yeah, I guess so. Is it's it's all reacting to stimuli. Yeah. Well, and text texts and stuff from other plants. You oh know, yeah, I yeah. assume it's talking to other plants that are like, "We got a drought going on. It's heading your way." I'm just worried there'll be nothing to eat for these woolly mammoths. Because I would imagine they have quite an appetite. And if we can't grow anymore, good God, this is all. It's so much to worry about now. Well, they're going to be thundering on the tundra. <laughs> is Dottie going to want one for her sweet 16? Is she going to oh, yeah. want a, a woolly mammoth or a Tasmanian tiger? Yeah, imagine. you're going to have to have like, like one of those petting zoos where they come around and... Someone's oh, dressed as a Disney princess and putting your kid on the on the tiger. It's going to be all the all the assholes in LA are going to have one. They're secretly going to have one, but then after a week, it's going to be too much to take care of, so they're going to leave it at a shelter. You're going to get it <laughs> I know. Go to a shelter and get a woolly mammoth. Well, they'll start. Well, yeah, but then like really, really fancy people have the mammoths that aren't woolly. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's like, have you seen the uh, the hairless mammoths? Oh, you gotta get a hairless mammoth. <laughs> it's a purse mammoth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just—it's always wearing a giant sweater when you walk it. <laughs> There'll be competition in LA as well. Like, which one's the good mammoth? Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a Caesar Milan for mammoths. <laughs> you gotta be the pack leader when it comes to dealing with extinct animals. Yeah, well, you have to immediately establish your dominance when you're dealing with a dealing with a woolly mammoth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I 
I uh, I don't know how I feel about bringing back extinct things. I don't I, I don't have any like weird moral qualms with it. It's just strange. Um, but I suppose there's there's like something else they're trying to figure out how to do with it, right? Like it's just to. I mean this this colossal company is clearly just trying to figure out immortality for well, Tony Robbins. If it is a real thing and it's not just some uh, bullshit fun thing for Tony Robbins to do on his free time, uh, if I, I would imagine that they're they're going to make money by somehow marketing the animals that they have, like selling them for uh, for uh, publicity or something, like just have a car dealership, have a guy riding around on a mammoth, and just. <laughs> Sure. Announcing Mammoth Days down here at at Joe Bob's Chrysler Plymouth. I don't know. Uh, I am excited though that uh, we're going to need to be able to grow uh, crops without any water, and it sounds like we're working towards that. So we're getting ready. We're getting ready for the end times, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's getting pretty. Uh, yeah, getting pretty rough out there. I've tried to figure out how to invest in fresh, like fresh water. Because mm-hmm. um, you can, you know, you can invest in like, uh, it's like, I forget the word, but it's like groups of stocks. It's not like, a, I mean, it's like a 401k, but without being a 401k, you know, uh, it's just a collection of stuff. And I've tried to figure out, I mean, it's it's just very obvious to me that investing in fresh water is like the, uh, it's just like a guaranteed winner, you know. Um, I just don't think I have enough extra money to do it. It's well, also, like, also it's just very dark that, to do. People <laughs> that are making money off of water will be pulled from their homes and beaten to death by the proletariat. Yeah. So that's I, the other thing you need to look out for. Of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> when the water wars come. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, we can't leave them on a bummer like this. Come on, guys. No, Isn't no, we're not, nice we're, not story? we're not out. We're not out. We got to, of course. Of course. I just think it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I guess there's enough. There's probably the U.S. will probably fare okay for a while. Uh, I mean, we've got a shitload of fresh water. I mean, not L.A., but you know, the country as a whole. Well, isn't the idea we're going to figure out how to desalinate the ocean? We that gotta. Can't be that hard. We fucking have to. Well, that can't the- be that hard. How hard could it be? Very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We put a man I, I on think, Mars, we can do this. I, I, I think we have to, like, just desalinate some of the water from the ocean. Like, not just do the, the ocean as a whole, because that would really fuck things up. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would, that? yeah, we're not going to do the whole ocean. <laughs> We'd have to de-extinct a whole bunch of new animals after that one. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, well, you know, if, you're, uh, if you are trying to get your plants to close their stomatas and you've had a little too much booze and given some of your plants, you might be stumbling around a bit in your yard. Well, let me tell you guys something. You want to hear this? This is fucking crazy. This guy stumbled upon remains of a massive dinosaur in his backyard. Um, Yeah, this has been like a, you know, an archaeology and uh, paleontology-heavy episode, but I I don't mind that. This is Jeff Lockhart sent in this CNET story. It's Jeef. Jeef, yeah, sorry, (laughs) Jeef. Um... The fossilized sauropod bones could prove to be the largest dino fragments found in Europe. Just some unassuming backyard in central Portugal has turned into an excavation site for the remains of what could be a record-setting dino. Um, 
This excitement started in 2017 uh, when a man in the city of Pombal spotted fragments of fossilized bones while digging up his garden to build an extension. He contacted researchers with the stunning find, and since then, paleontologists have been busy at the site unearthing fossilized fragments of what they believe could be the largest sauropod found in Europe yet. Sauropods, which count among the biggest animals to have lived on land, had small heads atop long necks, long tails, and four thick legs. They roved Earth 150 million years ago, thundering over tundras. Reaching staggering heights of 39 feet, that's 12 meters, Ooh. and lengths of 82 feet, 25 wow. meters. Wow. These are, uh, yeah, very, uh, very big. And it was just um, in this guy's backyard. Now, presumably when it died, it didn't know that it would be in this guy's backyard at some point. You know? Um, it wasn't like <laughs> I'm going to die. Know there'd be a, a playground <laughs> built on top of him. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um. But earlier this month, the, the research team from Portugal and Spain collected vertebrae of the possible brachiosaurid sauropod from the garden, as well as ribs that include a whopper around 10 feet long. Uh, the way the fragments are situated leaves the researchers hopeful more reptilian treasures await at the Pombal site. Uh, it's, not, it's not usual to find all the ribs of an animal like this, let alone in this position, maintaining their original anatomical position, says Elizabeth Malafaya. Wow. A postdoctoral researcher at the Facility of Sciences at the University of Lisbon. This mode of preservation is relatively uncommon in the fossil record of dinosaurs, in particular sauropods from the Portuguese Upper Jurassic. They're going to continue to excavate this Pombal Garden and possibly beyond to better understand the region's fossil, fossil record of late Jurassic vertebrates. Uh, and the owner of the house will no doubt be on high alert next time he goes outside to plant a few perennials. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it! <laughs> hmm. I, I'm, uh, I'm constantly terrified of somebody uh, of like teams and teams of people having to peruse through all my shit because of something yeah. like this. You know, right. it's, it'd be way too embarrassing. If like, who knows what the fuck's buried in my yard. But if I, if I found a rib poking out, I wouldn't tell anybody, you know? Right. That poor guy was probably just looking for his pirate gold. That he <laughs> stashed when he was drunk one night and all of a sudden there's a giant fucking dinosaur. Oh Jesus. This is going to be a hassle. And now I got to tell him about my private gold. No, you know what I mean. Like, you ever like, uh, like when you go to a museum that used to be someone's house. You know, are you ever, are you ever like, God damn, I hope my house is never a museum. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be horrible. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's bad enough when you just throw a party, and you know, you know, people are going to be putting their grimy hands on your stuff and peeking into your the cabinets in your bathroom and everything. Uh, but just imagine what those archaeologists are doing. Just trouncing all over his stuff. That's what I'm saying. They, they've got to be yeah. popping into his place to use the bathroom oh, yeah. while they're out there. I think it's yeah. quite nice if you are having a party in your house just to rope off some of the paintings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got, I got, like, a poster from Meltdown, and I've just got a little velvet rope around it. So yeah. just, and, a, and an Don't old guy with art. a cap yeah. just... If anyone gets too close to it, he just tells them to back off. He'll answer questions about his origin, though. He knows some stuff. Yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's retired, and he really just likes talking to people. 
Mm. Yeah, this so, is. This, so does this guy get to name this dinosaur or anything? I mean, it's it's obviously a species that we know of, but d- does he get anything? You think? He should. I mean, this is like. I mean, it's not going to be like Beverly Hillbillies level. <laughs> you know, um, but it's his property. It would be it would be bullshit if you were renting. You're like, I'm renting my house. If I found a dinosaur, I'd get nothing. I'd maybe be on the news. But then my landlord would get all that sweet, sweet dino cash. jack up the rent. Dino He's cash. just going to jack up the rent anyway. Yep. yep. This jerk. Yeah, so I hope that he gets to sell it to the museum or something. And I hope he's not an idiot and just gives it away. I hope that, that, that the government of Portugal considers it his property so he can get some money from somebody for it. Because I'll tell you what, if I yeah if I found a dinosaur in my backyard, uh, somebody's somebody's uh, greasing the palm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to see my end of that. I'm gonna need to get my beak wet on the sauropod. <laughs> you know what I've been amazed at is that uh, so uh, Porter, uh, my oldest son, is very into dinosaurs. I just think that's that, a phase for kids. That, that was and about to be my next question. Was like Porter. I, I was about to guess that Porter was going through a dinosaur phase because he feels oh. like he's just around that age. Absolutely loves him and knows more about it than I do. Like when we're watching stuff, there, there's this uh, cartoon set in Jurassic Park called Camp Crustacean. <laughs> and uh, every time there's a dinosaur, he knows what kind it is and stuff like that. And like it, it just he's very, very into dinosaurs. Um, so I think that if I found a dinosaur, he'd probably finally respect me. <laughs> Sure. He'd see me as some sort of value. But I wonder what that is with kids. I th- every little kid goes through a dinosaur phase. And because, I, it, because it's fascinating and insane. But it's like, I, you know, I've often had the theory that they teach us all that stuff way too early. You know? Because it's oh. like, like uh, when you're a kid, when you're that age, everything's fascinating and new and crazy. Right? So they should just teach you all the boring stuff and then wait till like your senior year of high school to tell you about dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're all like bored and <laughs> you're all bored and jaded. And that's when they teach you about like outer space and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you guys are not gonna believe this. Yeah. We've kind of been holding one back on you, but <laughs> giant lizards used to thunder through the tundra. It's the real thing. <laughs> Man, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I had a dinosaur phase too. I, I, uh, I don't know. I respect people that don't leave a childhood phase. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Actual paleontologists are, are firemen. You know, stuff like that, where they're just like, I decided at seven what I was going to be, and I followed through, baby. Yeah, yeah. real fairy princesses. <laughs> so exactly, exactly, exactly. cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. <clears throat> Obviously, as you guys know, I'm in the AFOL community. That's the uh, adult fan of Lego. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. in the... <laughs> I'm being fucking serious. It's the worst. So in the Lego community, right, there's this thing called the Dark Ages. And what that is... That's we what... have that in regular world, too, by the way, Jesse. What? We, 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 we also, us non-Lego fans, recognize the Dark Ages. Nothing on that one. Okay, go ahead. What? What do you? What do you mean? You mean like there's in history? A, I'm talking about the period of history. Yes. It's like you say, we had a. We all had a. There was a yes. dark. Yes. Correct. I'm sorry. I thought it would hit harder than it did. No, I'm, I'm sure it did with the away. listeners. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. <laughs> They're dying out there. 
So what, what I'm saying over here. What I'm saying is, right, is that there's this uh, this thing that happens where like you're you're super into Lego as a kid, but then it's not cool. You want to you want to be cool, you know. So you get away from it. You don't give a shit anymore, you know. You get into other stuff. You're trying to get laid, whatever. And then you hit a certain age where you're like, you know what? That I was right. That was pretty fucking cool, you know. So you get back into it, and. That, so that dip away from it is called the Dark Ages. And it exactly. fascinates me when people don't go through a Dark Ages with something. Like, we've talked about this on the pod of, like, uh, like magicians, like, really good magicians. Everybody loved uh, learning a magic trick when you are a kid. But they just kept doing it. They never got bullied out of it. <laughs> they just kept fucking doing it. <laughs> and I, I really, really uh, respect that. I think it's the same thing with, like, dinosaurs. Just keep going. If you're a kid that's into dinosaurs... Keep stay into it. Well, and I'm also glad, Jesse, that your people are starting uh, to get their due. I've been seeing Lego TV shows, and I've been, I, and I actually, you're about the fourth adult in my life that has told me uh, that they were heavy into Legos, and they usually talk about it like it's something they're horribly ashamed of. But it's yeah, it's, it's a, a bit thing. shameful. It's like it's it's. Uh, I I think the real shame of it is that it's so. It's so expensive, and and that's the shame of it, is that, like, you are spending money on stuff. It's like you've resigned to just never – you're like, I'm just going to buy some Lego, you know? Like, I'm never going to have a nice car. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to get back into Lego. Do you not pluralize it? Like, when you go out to buy Legos, you just buy Lego? Because I know guys that say that about beer. They're like, I had, like, eight, ten beer. Yeah, but beer is not a brand name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, it's it's Lego. You, you'd say Lego bricks or Lego elements, but it's it's you don't have Legos. You fucking insane! We <laughs> <Are you> nuts. <laughs> does anybody work off brand, or does everybody use Lego? Everybody uses Legos. Every now and then you get a, you get a counterfeit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can buy counterfeit Lego, but you can kind of tell, man. It, they don't they don't go together quite as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a big problem in the AFOL community, obviously. Um, you know, and and lately there's been a big debate, guys. Every, I know everyone's super into this. There's been a big debate in the adult fan of LEGO community about uh, some of the recent kits coming out overusing the snot technique. That studs not on top. The snot technique. And uh, there's been a big debate. So... <laughs> the, hang on, the what technique? Snot. G- go on. Yeah, it's uh, that means studs not on top. So and that's. I, ju- I just love that you leave that there. Like we know what oh. the hell that means. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's been a big debate lately about yeah. uh, is there too much of the snot technique being utilized in the uh, in some of the recent um, space and pirate themed offerings. That is cutting into the nostalgia of the fan base. And, you know, it's um, it's an ongoing debate. It gets quite heated, you know? <laughs> so so uh, during pandemic, uh, taking us back to dinosaurs for a moment. Yep. There was uh, the, the, um, the you, you had to do stuff in your car. You couldn't go places. So me and the family, we did this drive-through dinosaur thing at the Rose Bowl. And as we drove through, and they had, you know, they didn't have real dinosaurs yet, but they had, like, built dinosaurs, and you drive past them, and they tell you what kind of dinosaur. And there were dinosaurs 
that were named after Harry Potter because we keep discovering dinosaurs. And my, my point is, it seems like, and I could be wrong about this, we've only really been looking for dinosaurs for like 100 years, right? Like we weren't looking for dinosaurs like, you know, 400 years ago. We've only been looking for them for basically uh, the last part of human history. So I think we're going to keep finding new dinosaurs. I think that's quite exciting. And I think maybe the goal in life should be to have a dinosaur named after you. Sure. And maybe there'll be businesses where it's like well, you can buy a star. Maybe you can name the next dinosaur after yourself. Oh, that probably already exists. Yeah. So, like, I wonder but, if there's people out there looking for dinosaurs for that specific purpose. Well, the reason they named somebody. those dinosaurs after Harry Potter is because that particular species was, was famously transphobic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but otherwise, no, I mean, wouldn't that suck to, okay. All right. It's one thing to have a fucking tattoo or something. And then like that person, you know, have a tattoo of a band and then it turns out they're awful or something. Sure. But to name a species and then, (laughs) and then it's like the author of the book, like turns out, you know, they suck, but you already named the species. The Bill Cosby sore. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Or like naming, naming a planet. And then it's like, you're like, oh, like, I don't know if there are take backs on species names, you know? Um, The Kevin Spaceosaurus. Yeah, so many, so many dinosaurs we got to redo. We could do Goldblum, though. Like, you know, he's big in the dinosaur community. He's never done anything wrong. I'd like to see him get a dinosaur. I thought I I thought he actually did, didn't he? (laughs) Did he? I didn't know this. They named a dinosaur after him. <laughs> Understanding. Uh, but um, hey, y- y- you know, you know what I think we'll never regret. What's that? Is plugging the new comedy special by Augie Smith on Drybar. Here's the thing, guys. Uh, so if you are a fan of my comedy, you have to go see me in person because I don't know how to put up clips. Right. But. Uh, they they do a uh, there's a company called Dry Bar and they do clean comedy specials. You literally go to Provo, Utah, and they have their own theater, and uh, people come out and you do two shows on a Saturday night, uh, and then they release that as a comedy special, and it's clean comedy. Now you're saying that sounds like it would suck. Uh, sometimes you know for other comedians maybe it would, <laughs> but. I happen to be really good at stand-up comedy. It's true. So it's good anyway. So <laughs> what you do, uh, there's an app called Dry Bar, and there's a uh, website called Dry Bar, D-R-Y, bar, the regular way. And if you use the code Augie Smith, you get a free month. And then you can immediately end subscription if you want. So you can just watch a few specials. Uh, there's a bunch of really good comics that have specials on Dry Bar. Uh, do either of you? I don't have anything on Drive On. No, no. Um, I was really surprised. I was going through it, and, you know, Patrick Keen has one, and Kermit Appeal has one, and all these guys that I really like. And yeah. uh, so, Mix yeah. is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Struggled with the clean hour, but but it was... Uh... You have to see the Cat Williams one. It is, <laughs> that's the one that blows me out of the and water. It's weird. It's the cleanest one. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, yeah, obviously everybody everybody should check that out and everybody just watch it. Don't leak it. You know? 
Oh, you can leak it. I don't care. You do whatever you got to do. What do you think? Uh, I... The Artemis rocket? <laughs> Did you guys know that uh, <clears throat> NASA's moon rocket will need a leak repair? Did you guys know that? What? Yeah, it's true. Um, the the uh, So, as you know, we're going back to the moon. We decided to do it. Now, I've heard about this. We're really doing this, and we're putting people there? Yep. People are going to land? So, the first mission is, un- is unmanned. Okay. Uh, and that's the one that they're currently on their... They're up to three attempts now. They're on to their third attempt to try and launch this. Yeah, thing. they keep scrubbing the launch on account of um, weather or... Uh, at first, it was weather. Uh, or no, it wasn't weather. It was something was going wrong with one of the boosters, and then they were going to try it again, but they have these weird windows to do it because of weather. There was an, there was an eclipse, but it's sol- parts of it are solar-powered, so it had to... I don't know. Um... It's too bad you can't predict those eclipses. The, no, uh, no, they could, but I'm saying that's why they didn't just try the next day. They have well, very you'd, specific you'd miss windows. The moon. You'd miss the moon because it's hidden. You couldn't land there. That's, I used to get, uh, when you watch <laughs> cartoons as a kid, like old cartoons, sometimes there'd be a rocket that would go to the moon, like in the 70s cartoons. And I always thought, well, this is ridiculous because they're launching during the day. And so they can't go to the moon during the day. Right. Because I was that stupid of a kid. I didn't even get it. I didn't. But, okay, so now here's always my question on this thing. Are, is there a reason to go to the moon, or is it just to, to do it? Are we doing it to do it, or are we getting something out of this? Well, we, we, left, uh, we left our keys there last time. <laughs> <laughs> so. left, we left some stuff. Um. Just break a window, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, the reason we went to the moon first the first time, obviously, was to... Encourage the Soviet Union to try to do the same. Beat the Russians. That's right. It wasn't wasn't to beat the Russians. It was to make them spend all their money. Yeah. To try to beat us, and uh, and suck their uh, suck their economy dry. Um, So I don't know if I is China trying to go to the moon. Is this what we're doing? Are we trying to do a space race with China to do the same thing? Is that what's happening? Because I don't know. uh, I don't know why we're going back to the moon. Hmm. Isn't it? Isn't it sort of partly a stepping stone on the way to Mars? That's sort of like do the moon first, and then is it on the way? <laughs> it's it's on the way technologically. In the we need to be able to get to the moon before we can get to Mars, and also I think there is a plan to. There are possibilities of using the moon as a lower gravitational launcher to, or even having a space station that'll permanently be in orbit around the moon, and that'll be like a kind of. Uh, staging station before you carry on to Mars. Oh, that'd be amazing. I, I hope we do something like that. That stuff is cool. That's so weird, though. It's like having, like, a... You know, it, it's like, okay, if you're going to drive to Ohio, right, from your house, Augie, mm-hmm. you're going to leave and go to Ohio sure. uh, right. from your driveway. So you make a staging area at your mailbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and then that's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah. you're still... <laughs> You're still going to go to Ohio. You're like, I'm really going to need to pour billions of dollars into this staging area at my mailbox. But it just so happens that, like, the path from your front door to your mailbox is extraordinarily hard. Right. Whereas the street outside it is a lot easier. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. Which is kind of like life. That's kind of truth with my with my house. Yeah. They they uh, they tried to launch this rocket. This again. This is unmanned. Um. Uh, and they're, so they got some stuff to figure out before they send some people up there. They tried Did they to, put a monkey or something in it? 
Nope, no monkey this time. <laughs> no monkey. Oh man. I know. I like when they put monkeys in rockets. I know it's kind of it's kind of sucks for the monkey community now that they they've been really ridden out of the space game. <laughs> they have. Well, awesome it's all, it's all automated now. And their helmets and stuff. Oh yeah. my god, it's hilarious. No, all the good astronaut gigs have gone to people now, which I think is is horrible. You know. Um. So they they first tried to launch the rocket on Monday, and that attempt was waved off when controllers couldn't be sure the four big engines at the base of the core stage were at the correct operating temperature. Frustratingly, subsequent analysis indicated that a sensor was almost certainly outputting inaccurate readings. The power units, in all probability, were in absolutely the right condition to go fly. Uh, when the SLS does get away, it, sh- it is sure to be a spectacular sight. It's going to be a shuttle on steroids, said Doug Hurley, who was the pilot on the very last shuttle mission in 2011. The former astronaut now works for Northrop Grum- uh, Grumman, who makes the big white solid boosters on the sides of the SLS. Can I just point out that steroids kill you? Okay, steroids, they mess up your body, then they kill you. They also make you act uh, irrationally. In, yeah, this rock is going to be really angry. It's yeah, going to have a so temper. I, I just, what a, what a, it's, I understand what he's saying, but it's a very, very bad simile for this particular thing, I think. Well, when would you use uh, something on steroids simile? It's, uh, it's, y- you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I guess, like, when, a, uh, when an animal is going mad and is rabid, and is about to, uh, you're going to have to kill it before it kills you, then you can say, yeah, he's like a dog, but a dog on steroids. Okay, so so it's referring to its own thing, referring to itself. Yeah, I, I just, this idea that it's just a bigger version of a thing, I, I just think it, 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 it it's too much good publicity for steroids, people. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay, so this is like an anti-drug sort of <laughs> it is. route you're taking. <laughs> it is. I'm wow. sick of the probably science community taking steroids. Yeah. I'm sick of being at probably science events and see all you jacked up lunatics just headbutting each other. Wow, Augie, you're like a podcast guest on crack. You're really like. <laughs> well, we do have a notoriously swole fan base. <laughs> um, man. Um, we should wrap up the main part of the show. Augie, yeah, so, can so you they, stick got, around they, they found a leak. They got to fix the fucking leak. That's what's happening. All right. Augie. So they shouldn't have sent the thing in the first place because it sounded like they should have sent it and then they didn't, but they, it's good they didn't send it. They yeah, they, it, it is good that they didn't send it. Right. They're holding off fixing the leak and it's going to take another uh, few weeks minimum. Yeah, and then, uh, and then you know, off they go. We'll see what happens. That's um, probably just what that asshole repair guy's telling him. He's taking him for a ride. They don't know what he's... It's just like getting your car repaired. He's like, oh, yeah, you got, I got a leak in here. I'm going to need another two weeks. i got to order a part. <laughs> um, I hate having to order a part for a booster stage. Yeah, uh, a, I think water. they do the thing with the rocket where they like they spray the whole rocket with soapy water and see where the bubbles come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Augie, where can our... Uh, so, you, uh, Dry Bar Special, that's use the code Augie Smith. You get a free month. That's right. I uh, got a, uh, I uh, recorded a new CD about three months ago, and as soon as somebody can do the art for it, it I, will be out. I thought you were going to say okay. as soon as somebody has a CD player. As soon as somebody... <laughs> I call it a seat. It's an album. It's a download. I, what are we supposed to call them now? I don't, I don't know. know. Al- album, record, I don't know. 
I, record. I'm going to go with record. Go with record. I like record. Uh, yeah, so I got that coming up. Uh, but if you want to see me live, I have absolutely uh, nothing up on my site because uh, for the next uh, two months I'm doing nothing. Thinking nice. about getting a new hip, guys. <laughs> Thinking about a new hip. Are you so, really? Yeah, yeah. The old one is uh, going south on me. The old, the old one doesn't want it anymore. The old one thinks I should have been dead about ten years ago and had planned for that, and uh, doesn't want to be a hip anymore. Right. Hmm. I don't blame him. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be attached to my torso. <laughs> so everything you put it through. You do a lot of hula dancing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm always high kicking and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen your hip do some pretty crazy things in my day. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, obviously, uh, good luck with that. If you're, if that's, uh, that's a big surgery. You, you know, it's not it's the, what they told me because they told me uh, I dislocated my hip when I was a teenager. And they said, you're eventually going to need another one. But put it off as long as you can because it's getting easier and easier to do it. So okay. throughout my life, uh, like it went from like several months of being in the hospital to now people are walking around a week later. So, right. I, I, so that's why I just keep putting it off that the technology will get better. Uh, but, man, you know, I, st- I got to live, guys. Yeah. I got to go live my life. The wife, she's going to want to square dance eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll just find some younger guy to do it with her if I can't. So. Yeah. Um. Guys, uh, we should wrap up the main episode and yeah, then let's do, do an it. extra little bonus for the uh, story for our Patreon patrons. But, Augie, thank you so much for joining us. And go and check out his special and on Drive him on Comedy. Twitter. Augie, what's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter is Augie Smith. That's A U E. There you go. And then Smith, and that's also the code for Drybar if you want to mm-hmm. sign up and watch his special. And you should. And watch other people's as well. But start with Augie's. We're at Jesse Case and at Matt Kirshen. Um, yep, and uh, collectively at Probably Science. In, uh, we can go to probablyscience.com uh, for all the links to the stories we cover and also our Patreon and PayPal donation pages. And probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. If you Listen run to... any Fortune 500 companies and want to sponsor our show, just go ahead and give us an email. Give us a message. <laughs> we will accept it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.